lives knowing the Word of God. And, uh, but I want to talk to you, encourage you tonight, and share with you the necessity of not only being taught the Word, but the value of experiencing what you've been taught. It's one thing to read the Word of God and, says, and it says that He's a healer, to say He's a deliverer, to say that He's a provider. It's one thing to read that and believe that, but it's another thing when you experience healing or deliverance or provision from God. Because then what you read and what you were taught and what you were led to believe, you actually experience it by experiencing it is a confirmation to what the Word of God said. And there's even times, though, you'll experience something, and then upon reading the Word of God, it'll confirm to you the experience that you had that was of God. So I want us to be, uh, pay attention tonight and realize when I'm going to talk about the importance of the Word, having the Word, the knowledge of the Word of God, and how it helps us, how it shapes us, how it molds our lives. We're all to be students of the Word, according to the Word of God. Now, speaking of students, where, you know, we think of school. Well, school's back in session for our children and for, of course, some of you, like me, your grandchildren. And thank God for our teachers. Amen. And we must pray for them. But here's what our teachers are experiencing from your children. Teacher said to the student, what are you, animal, vegetable, or mineral? And the boy replied, vegetable. Because I'm a human being. Hmm. It was a little girl's first day of school, and the teacher was making out a registration card. She said, what is your father's name? She said, Daddy. Yes, I know he's your daddy, but what does your mother call him? Oh, she don't call him anything. She likes him. The teacher said to the student, why don't you brush your teeth? I can see what you had for breakfast this morning. And the little boy, I see my little no-no, my little grandson saying this one. Oh, yeah? What did I have, teacher? What did I have? The teacher says, eggs. The little boy says, ha-ha, you're wrong. That was yesterday. <laughs> the girl student says to a boy student, too bad you flunked the test. How far were you from the right answers? He said, two seats. A father was examining his son's report card. He said, one thing is definitely in your favor. With this report card, you couldn't possibly be cheating. And a librarian chimed in and said, please be quiet. The people next to you can't read. And the little boy said, what a shame. I've been reading since I was six. <laughs> On Johnny's first day of school, the class was to put their right hands over their hearts and repeat the Pledge of Allegiance. The teacher watched the children as she started the pledge. She stopped when she noticed that Johnny had his right hand over his right side of his back end. And the teacher said, Johnny, I will not continue until you have your hand over your heart. And Johnny said, ma'am, it is over my heart. And she asked, what makes you think that is your heart? He said, because whenever Granny visits, she picks me up and pats me right here and says, bless your little heart. <laughs> so that's what your teachers are going through as, with their students. So why do you send your kids to school? 
You send them hopefully so they will learn. Learn what? Learn basic fundamentals like math and English and history and how to read and how to write. But will they learn everything they need to know about life in those 12 years in that classroom alone? Absolutely not. Like neither did we. So how do they learn the other things in life about how to survive, how to work hard, how to overcome obstacles, how to overcome a broken heart, how to resist the devil, how to get along with others? I'll tell you how. Most often, like we have, by experiences, circumstances, events that will change their lives. School was necessary for the basics. But what I've really learned about life in general, I've learned through actual experiences. I've learned a lot about life through trials and failures, by being in certain places around certain people, not only the public school system, but also the school of life, by the things life has put me through. Let me say, every day is a new experience, and you never get too old to learn. You can get to a place where you refuse to learn, and I want us tonight to come to that same understanding and conclusion that when it comes to our Christian life as well, that we need to be discipled, to become a solid Christian, that we need to be schooled. We need to be taught the basics. We need to pursue knowledge of the Word, whether it's in Sunday school or discipleship classes or Bible studies or through church or through Wednesday nights. And we need to be faithful to attend and willing to learn and open to the thought we can learn something new every day. And also that we can learn from each other. And know this, we can learn a lot from the classroom teaching. But still, some of our greatest lessons that we are going to learn about our Christian life and about God are going to be by our experiences with him. By the things he allows us to go through, the places he puts us, and the people he puts us around. Do you remember in science how you'd study about nature and learn a lot in the classroom about it, but then one day you'd have a field trip where you could actually go out in nature. Now, why would your teacher teach like that? Teach you, then let you experience what you were taught. Because there's only so much you could learn from the textbook. The only other way to increase your knowledge was by your experiencing what you were taught. So you can study all day long about the suffering of the apostles, receiving some knowledge, but the only other way for you to increase your knowledge of suffering or have a greater understanding of it is to know what it really feels like to suffer yourself. What God wants to say tonight is a lot of what you're going through many times, he's saying it's me trying to give you experiences to give you greater knowledge of what you have been taught. It's me allowing you to go through things to mature you, to strengthen you. God is saying, I'm answering your prayers. How many of you know in order to be a disciple, you have to be discipled? In other words, you have to be taught. And that is going to come through knowledge and experiences. And tonight I want to talk about the Apostle Paul, who, if he was here, would testify to you of this tonight, and whom did testify to you of it through God's divinely inspired word. I'm going to go to the book of Acts, and it'll be chapter 9, and it'll be one, verse 1 through 28. We're going to learn a little history about Paul tonight. First of all, Paul was originally, early on in his life, known as Saul of Tarsus. 
He hated and he persecuted Christians. But Saul had a life-changing experience one day on the road to Damascus. And we find in our text he was heading that day to once again persecute Christians. But God had another plan for him. Not a plan to destroy him, but that day it was a plan to convert him. And God wanted to turn this evil man into something good for the kingdom of God. And let it be a lesson to all. He had not done nothing so bad that God wasn't willing to forgive him, transform him, and use him mightily for the kingdom of God. Folks, it was and it still is, whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, while Saul was riding on the road to Damascus, the Bible says that a bright light appeared unto him, causing his horse to rear up, throwing him off his horse. And at that moment, Christ appeared unto him and said, Saul, Saul, what does thou persecute me? Why was Christ saying persecute me? Because what he was doing to the Christians, Christ claimed he was doing it also unto him. Hey, we understand that. You pick on my kids, it's the same as you're picking on me. How many know when the enemy persecutes you, it's the same as they are persecuting Christ? Christ said, you're persecuting my people, and when you do it unto them, he says, you're doing it unto me. Hey, if Matthews 25 declares that when we as Christians feed the hungry, clothe the poor, visit the sick, we are doing it unto the Lord, then when the enemy persecutes us, it will to be him, as him, as him doing it as unto the Lord. And that is why God says, I'll show myself strong on your behalf. That he is our refuge. He's that place we can run to when persecuted. That the battle's not ours. That the word of God declares he goes before us and he defeats our enemies because he cares for us and he wants to protect us and keep us through the things that we go through. It was at that moment that God's divine awakening took place in Saul's life. It was at this place that he was converted. I remember the place where he converted me. Do you? See, at this place that Saul was converted, where he came to, to, the, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's where he met mercy and grace for the first time in his life. He totally did a 180. Why? That is what repentance does. It's to turn you completely away from sin. Where, behold, old things are passed away and all things become new. You are a new creation. You are born again. He was so changed by this one divine experience with God that God even changed his name. He was now Paul. So now what? God knew he had to be taught. We got to stop allowing people to come in and get saved and then just leave never trying to teach them how to live out their salvation. God doesn't just save you and you're his disciple. He still does as he did with the 12. He becomes and wants to become your schoolmaster. Jesus was also called teacher, often by his disciples. Immediately after Saul was converted, God begins to direct his life. See, we believe that the steps of a righteous man are what? The Bible says they're ordered of the Lord. The first thing God spoke to him was where to go. And God began to direct his life. He sent him to a man he knew would be beneficial to his life. He sent him to someone to help him get started. The man's name was Ananias. After conversion, Paul spent a lot of time studying the word of God. He was willing to be taught. 
He became a student of the word. He learned a lot from his study of the great writings of the prophets. But let me tell you who his greatest teacher of all was. It was the master himself. He knew Paul was gaining knowledge of the word, but God knew he also needed experiences to bring the word alive to him to grow his faith. For him to increase in knowledge, experiences that would bring revelations to his life, encounters he would learn from, circumstances that he would grow from, trials he would learn patience from, hard times he would gain strength from, opportunities that would allow him to exercise his faith and prove to him the word of God. He placed him in places, he did, to teach him places and experiences that were necessary to mold Paul. Is not Paul the greatest apostle that ever lived? What all he learned wasn't from a book. You can read all about China and you can read all day long, but until you go there and you live there, you're not going to understand it all until you experience what you've been given the knowledge of. He needed the word, and he needed the experiences as well. And some of you have poured your life into the word, which is very necessary, and you've had a great understanding of it. But it's when God puts you in places that are uncomfortable so you can have the experiences to mold you and shape you and mature you into that strong soldier of the faith. It's then we can't understand God is teaching us valuable lessons through our experiences. It's one thing to read the Word and read about these things and these trials, how to overcome trials and those types of things. But it's another thing to when you have to go through the trials and the struggles and you have to trust God by His Word. Because there's times we don't understand and we begin to ask those questions. God, where are you at? God, why am I going through this? Oftentimes, you're going through the most valuable lesson in your life that when you're done with the lesson, you're going to be stronger, more tenacious than you've ever been in your life because of what you've experienced. Every time you're going through something, you ought to be asking God, God, what are you trying to teach me? First of, us, <clears throat> first of all, he's always trying to teach you, always trying to teach us. He's God, that he's sovereign. He's always trying to teach you that he'll never leave you or forsake you. He's always trying to teach you the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's always trying to teach us that when the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard. He's always trying to teach us that if God be for us, who can be against us? He's always trying to teach you I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. He's always trying to teach us that he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's always trying to teach you what you read, that he's El Shaddai, God who is almighty, that he's Adonai, that he's a master, that he's Jehovah Rapha, he's our healer. And he says, you're going to learn this through the things that I allow you to go through. Sure, you're going to go through, time, through things as a result of having an adversary. But he says, hey, I got that covered too. Because what the enemy has intended for evil, I want to turn it into your good. He says, when you go through things, even if the enemy has devised them and been the, the one behind it all, he's easing that. He said, it gives me an opportunity to show myself strong on your behalf and turn it into something for your good. And it gives you an opportunity to exercise your faith so that my power and my love will be revealed to you. When they say there is no hope, but yet I show up and hear you, it's then through your experience, through your circumstances, that you see that my arm is not too short. 
It's through the trials and the struggles and the hard times you go through that you see that I really am an on-time God. It's that you see that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I shall deliver you from them all. And it's where you see that I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Through these experiences, you'll learn I am the Lord God that healeth thee. His schooling isn't always the easiest days of our lives, church. His lessons are sometimes hard, but they are to prepare us for the hardest times that we'll ever face so that we can survive them. We may have trouble on every side, but we're not distressed. We may be perplexed, but we're not in despair. We may be persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We may be cast down, but we are not destroyed. See, we're all so guilty of praying, God, make me a spiritual giant. Or give me the strength to withstand the wiles of the enemy. Lord, enlarge my tent. Lord, give me a worldwide ministry. Then God begins to do the things necessary in your life for you to fulfill those desires. Things begin to happen, and it begins to cost us something. Times get hard. And then we cry out, God, where are you at? You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm right here schooling you, teaching you a lesson, and giving you the experiences you need to fulfill your desires. Now, how come we can understand this in the natural realm? If you desired to be a doctor, you would know it's going to take a lot of study before you ever even became one. It's going to cost you a lot of things. It's going to cost you a lot of time. It's going to cost you a lot of money. No, it's going to not be easy, because if it was, everybody would be doing it. You know it's going to take years to, to, to arrive. You know it's going to take you being a good student, knowing you're not only going to be involved in study, but you'll have to do an internship where you can gain knowledge through your actual experiences, that you're going to have to be willing to study hard, you're not going to be able to hang out like all the others do. Have to make a lot of sacrifices. And you know you'll, not, you'll only get out of it what you put into it. But yet when it comes to the spiritual and your spiritual desires, we can't understand or we aren't willing to make the same sacrifices. Necessary to be the Christian that we can be. Want to be great. Want to be a giant. Want that, you know, 10,000 pound anointing. But it's not supposed to cost you nothing. Come on. Jesus said, count your cost. Take up your cross and follow me. Leave everything else behind. Become a disciple. Become a student. Jesus said, Jesus said these words, learn of me. See, the gift of salvation is free, but greatness can cost you something. Everything you need to learn about your Christian walk won't always, always be learned in a classroom or always be learned by a textbook. It will also be in the places God places you in, the place of experiences. And a lot of you are going through times and things right now in your life. They're not pleasant. You don't like them. But I promise you, if you'll trust the Lord, that he'll show you in the place that he's got you, and he's going to teach you something, that when you come out of what you've been going through, you're going to have a different experience, and you're going to have a different idea of just how big God really is. At times, it will be difficult places, but they're always going to shape you, and they're always going to mold you. You know, Navy SEALs are an elite group of military men. The majority 
that go that want to become a Navy SEAL, many don't even become one. Why are they the most elite? They go through the most rigorous training there is. They take on the toughest tasks. They face the greatest obstacles. So they need the most stringent training that will teach them how to endure, that will teach them how not to give up, that will teach them how to overcome the worst of situations. They have textbooks. They have training. They, they sit in lectures and simulations. But then they put them out in the elements so they can have the experiences necessary to teach them what a book couldn't teach them, to give them a better understanding of what they studied and heard. Their experience will prove what they have studied to be true. Some have even quit through these exercises. But those that survive are the most disciplined men of the armed forces that can take on the most difficult tasks set before them and survive the most extreme circumstances they could face. They're taught to survive. In return, they live to tell about the experiences, and in return, they mentor others. And in the spiritual, if you want to do great exploits for God, understand that you're going to go through some things. Don't skip God's schools. Don't drop out, and he will make you a part of the elite where you will take on the most difficult task ever set before you, Christians, you will survive the most extreme circumstances. And you will go through some rigorous things, things that will teach you how to survive, that will teach you how to overcome, and will teach you how not to quit. And you will use your experiences to teach others. Church, storms make good sailors. So you can know doctrine, have head knowledge, but doctrine is meant to be experienced. Jesus told his disciples to go do what? Teach what I have commanded you. Teach what you've learned from me. It was rigorous at times, but it will make you strong. God put Saul through three schools, through three different places. Why? To make him strong and great and to make him Paul. And I want to look at Paul's schooling, the experiences that taught him, and the experiences that made him strong. Saul's conversion was instantaneously, but his transformation into the apostle, though, took some time. You know, in the microwave society that we live in now, time is a factor that is prohibiting a lot of people from fulfilling their calling, keeping them from reaching the greatness that God has called them to. Too many want it now. They don't want to go through the process. But let me tell you something. God will always prepare you before he sends you. He don't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You take T.D. Jakes, for instance. He literally started in a storefront with just him and his wife. But he's, God is taking through a process, through a time, through schooling, through teaching, through experiences, through hard times and struggles and all these things. He's taking him to a worldwide ministry. It didn't come easy. And it's still not easy because to whom much is given, much is required. Jesus spent time with his disciples before he ever sent them out. This transformation in Paul's life all took place when he went to school in three locations of his life. They were tools that God used in Paul's life to give Paul the experiences that he needed so he could fulfill his call and purpose. 
The first place, let's look at it. The first place God sent him was to the desert of Arabia. In this desert, God used a tool of solitude on Paul. Verse 23 says, many days were fulfilled. In other words, he was there a long time. The Bible often takes long periods of times and compresses them into short statements. In this case, it was a three-year period of time according to Galatians 1. Galatians 1 and 15 and 18 says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which are apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. It's going to be very important here in a moment. He spent those three years in Arabian desert, along with God, alone with God for three years, and God himself taught him. Study the lives of great men and women of God. And each can point to some formative times they spent alone with God. They may have been surrounded by people, but they were at a point they felt that God was all they had. And in their solitude, God shaped them and molded them. Moses, you can divide his life into three 40-year segments. The first 40 years, Pharaoh's house. The second 40 years, same Arabian desert we read about today, just 3,000 years earlier. Third 40 years, leading Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. Now, which of these three 40-year periods was most important in Moses' life? We'd be tempted to say the latter, leading them to the promised land. But I believe it would not have happened if it had not been for the middle 40 years in the desert. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened without those years of solitude and formation of Moses' life. For it was in the first, de first in the desert that God taught him and molded him and God prepared him. What was the last thing Moses did before leaving Egypt? For the desert, he had killed a man. He had taken matters into his own hands. So God sent him to the desert and spent years sandblasting his life. Moses learned when you come to the place that God is all you have, you'll find out that God is all you need. See, David, when anointed king of Israel, faced King Saul, who became so enraged with jealousy of David that he actually chased David through the wilderness like an animal. Listen to the cry of David's heart in the seventh psalm. He says, O Lord my God, in thee I do put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear me so like a lion, rending me in pieces while there's none to deliver. Here's a man that's down. He's despondent. A man that feels like God has forgotten him. But David learned something being in that place. He learned in the desert, all alone, that when you come to the place that God is all you have, you will find out that he's all you need. And some of you are in the worst places of your life. And the word of God assures you that when you get down to all you have is God, you're going to learn that God is all you need. And you will never learn this unless what? You experience it. In that place of solitude, in that desert, that dry place, David spoke again in Psalms 13, 1 through 5. He said, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? How long wilt thou hide thy face even here before me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? 
having Saul in my heart daily. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? In that place of solitude, he was learning that when you come to a place that God is all you have, you will find out God is all you need. His faith grew the most in the garden of solitude, and yours will too. Jesus had an incredible three-year ministry, opening blinded eyes, deaf ears, and even raising the dead, and the greatest miracles of all, saving souls. But what do you know about Jesus, though, from the age of 12 to 30? Nothing. Those were the silent years in solitude, obscurity, working in a carpenter's shop, no doubt communing with God in prayer and study and meditation and preparation. Then at 30, he didn't come on the scene and say, here I am, you lucky world. He didn't do a direct mailing to all the synagogues saying, hey, I'm available now for meetings and conferences and for healing service if you could use me. No, you know what he did? The Bible says he went into the desert alone for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted and he defeated the devil personally before going to tell others how to do the same. He began his ministry in solitude as he began each day. Because Mark 1.35 gives an account. It said, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. This is speaking of Jesus. When you get alone with God and allow him to speak to you and teach you, it will move mountains and it will build your faith like no other can. Saul came out of the Arabia, the desert, a different man. He went in a young man that was still scarred with hatred and bitterness, no doubt a lot of confusion. But he came out the tender-hearted Apostle Paul. He was an old school when he entered, having been raised under the Old Testament law. But when he went to school in the desert and graduated, he threw his tassel cap in the air and he shouted, By the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. He went in with the Old Testament in his backpack, but he came out with the book of Romans in his heart. In the desert school, God used solitude to teach him when all you got is God, you'll find out that he is all you need. Now, the second school that was, he went to was the school of suffering. Secondly, after Arabia, God sent him to Damascus. When Paul entered into Damascus for Arabia, he was a marked man. Many simply wanted to kill him. Can you imagine him as he must have felt having to be smuggled out of town, down that wall in a basket like some criminal? It was humiliating, but this was just a foreshadow of a lot more suffering, which was yet to come to Paul's life. Remember that Christ said, they will persecute you for my name's sake. In Acts 9, verse 15 through 16, Jesus said to Ananias about Paul, go thy way, for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You can read 2 Corinthians for a listing of the countless things that Paul suffered and Paul endured. All for the cause of Christ, for the spreading of the gospel. He received 195 stripes from whippings and beatings. He was stoned, left for dead. He was shipwrecked. 
He was persecuted in prisons, cold, hungry, thirsty, not to mention the thorn in his side. But he never gave up. He never took a sabbatical. But now we got ministers dropping like flies, giving up, quitting, throwing in the towels. God, help us to endure. What does it take to get you mad enough to quit on God? Paul's list of suffering never caused him to quit, being shipwrecked and beaten, jailed and beheaded. But a church member list of suffering today is this. No one shook my hand. Nobody called me. The preacher stepped on my toes. No one even missed me. It was too cold in there today. It was too hot in there today. I had to suffer through it. They were gossiping about me. I couldn't get connected. We quit over those things, yet Paul never quit over his sufferings. In this place, God had placed him. This was the school of hard knocks. And there are some things us stubborn human beings will only learn through suffering. God looked down and seen you as a diamond in the rough, and now he's knocking off the rough edges of our life. His hammer and his chisel aren't always pleasant, but they are necessary. He puts us through the fire to refine us so that the impurities of our life can rush to the top. God does this because he loves us. And therefore, we come forth as a more valuable product. James said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial you're going through, as though some strange thing happened to you. A sculptor takes a block of marble, and he carved this beautiful horse. And someone asked him, how did you do that? He said, it was easy. He said, I looked at the marble block. He said, in my mind, I imagined the horse, and I just simply chipped away everything that didn't look like it. See, it's in the valley we learn some of the most valuable lessons. And God is chipping away at many of us. He's looking down at the palace, and he sees a congregation being capable of winning a whole city. So he begins to chip away everything in us that don't look like that congregation. And when he's done, we will be that congregation that he sees. Christ said he learned what was taught obedience through his sufferings, not by a book, but by what? By his experiences. But what God put him through, the things that he endured, he went through the school of solitude. He went through the school of suffering. And then thirdly, God sent Paul to Jerusalem, the school of seasoning. Now hear this one. A seasoned Christian has some experience under his belt. A seasoned Christian must put into the lives of others. Older ladies are instructed to teach the younger ladies, ladies in the Bible. Verse 26 says he went to Jerusalem, but why did he go to Jerusalem? 118 says it was to see Peter. Now listen closely. To see Peter. See Peter. Now the word see is used 1,400 times in the Bible, but this is the only time it comes from the Greek word historio, where we get the word history. You could say then he went to Jerusalem to do a history on Peter. You see, Paul had, had, the, had the doctrine. God had given it to him directly, but he didn't have the experiences. 
He didn't walk with Jesus for three years like Peter did. He wasn't there when Jesus healed the multitudes. Peter was. He didn't witness the feeding of the 5,000. He wasn't when, there when Jesus was resurrected, but Peter was. And so for 15 solid days, Paul sat down with Peter and said, give me the history. Tell me your story, Peter. I got to hear it from you. Give me all the details. Don't leave anything out. Teach me. Mentor me. Tell me of your experiences with Jesus. What was it like? What was he like, P Peter? Peter says, well, it all started one day when my brother Andrew walks in and, and, gets the, and get this. He says, we found the Christ. He says, and I went running to see, and the moment I laid my eyes on him, I knew it was true. And let me tell you, Paul, about the time that I walked on water. As long as I kept my eyes on Jesus, he said, I could do that. He said, but the moment I look away, I sunk. And all those that were with me got a big kick out of it that day. They all were just laughing at me. But let me tell you something. They never walked on water. They never even got out of the boat. Jesus had a way he could just look into my eyes, Peter said, and he could see right through me. And sadly, I remember I made a horrible mistake one day in denying him at his trial, though. And the day that I saw him again when our eyes met, what a powerful moment it was, Peter. I'll never forget his eyes. I could see it in his eyes, how he still loved me after all that I had done to him. And day after day, Paul would drill Peter to teach him, to share his experiences with him. For 15 days, Peter mentored Paul, reproducing himself in him. And church, I say that to say to every single one of us, we all need to be mentored. We all need mentors. <laughs> we need seasoned Christians to pour into our lives, to share their experiences with us of what they went through and what they've gone through, even share the trials, even share the mistakes that they made to help teach us. Because we've studied the Word of God We've got the doctrine, but we need to learn by their experiences as we have our experiences. Amen. <clears throat> Peter poured into Paul that day. He's, <clears throat> excuse me. Peter shared things with Paul that Paul had never been through. And they mentored to Paul in a fashion of learning a lot of things about Peter's experiences. But Paul also had his experiences. Watch this pattern. And everything that Paul went through, he mentored someone else that hadn't been through what Paul went through. And so as we go through our experiences in our lives, and this is why it's important to share our testimonies and share our stories with each other and one another. Because you don't know a lot about a person until you've heard their testimony, until you've heard their story, and you get a whole different opinion of them, whole different opinion of their lives. And not only that, you learn something. You know, I prayed for a mentor in my life, and God has placed a mentor in my life. Pastor Miller is my mentor in my life. He's poured into me valuable lessons, lessons that he's learned. He's shared experiences with me to teach me, 
Peter helped Paul how to pull him up to the next level. He helped to season Paul, taught him the ins and outs of the ministry, everything that he knew about it. And every one of us needs a mentor. We need to be discipled. We need to be here every time the church doors open. We need discipleship as much as we need the preaching. It reinforces the preaching. It confirms the preaching. I don't know how many times I've heard our teenagers speak and tell me that they'll have Sunday school, which is always before the preaching of the word that day, to tell me and come and say, we just, we just learned about that this morning in the church, in Sunday school. And what they learned in Sunday school, they come in here and then the pastor preaches on it, or I preach on it. And they say, we just learned about that. And what does that do? It confirms what they just learned, but it also what they just learned confirms what the preacher preached. And this is how this thing works. Iron sharpens iron. We need one another, and we need to be taught. None of us have come to the place that we know it all, or we've gotten to a place we don't need to learn anything else. And we all can learn something new each and every day, and let me say this one, from everybody. We can learn something from everybody because we've all had different experiences. You've got to be schooled, and you've got to be schooled in the Word and schooled by experiences, by solitude, by suffering, and by seasoning. Then God will send you. After Paul had went to Arabia, after Paul had went to Damascus, and after Paul had went to Jerusalem, Barnabas shows up. And they began to do ministry. Do you see what was taking place? Paul went to Peter. Barnabas is now going to Paul. And I'm sure after Barnabas, there was somebody that Barnabas poured into their lives. And this thing has to continue. There cannot be this breakdown of the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you are in the places of solitude. Some, you maybe you're suffering through something right now. Some, you're being seasoned right now. But understand this is to teach you. What you're going through could be to strengthen you. What you're going through could be to prepare you to do that which God has called you to do. In your, if you're in a hard place, ask the question, God, are you trying to teach me something through my suffering? Because every place that God has placed you is for a purpose. Every place. Might not be pleasant, but in it you'll learn who God really is and just how mighty and loving our God is. To be disciples, we got to be discipled. We got to be taught. We got to read our Bibles. We got to hear the preached word and learn from the experiences and pour into the lives of others as seasoned men and women. Great men, great women, Endure great things. God wants to strengthen some people. God wants to strengthen you. God wants to empower you. God wants to send you. So the question comes down, so will you be willing to be a student of the word? Will you be willing to be obedient to the word? Will you be willing to endure affliction and be willing to go, willing to be a doer and not just a hearer of the word? Would you stand with me tonight?
How many of you are in a place you don't know what to do? Or maybe you're in a place I don't understand, Randy. Or maybe you're in a place where I need answers. Or maybe you're in a place where I need help. The Word of God says that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. All the answers that you're needing, seeking, are found in the Word of God. But the important thing is, you got to accept it and know the knowledge of the Word and not reject it. Because the Bible said that people perish for the lack of knowledge and because they reject it. So many times we go through things, and many times they are the attack of the enemy because the enemy does not like us. He, he wants to destroy. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy us. He's come to wreak havoc in your life. He's come to defeat you, destroy you, wreck your lives, wreck your dreams. He, he is. But there's also times that God puts you in places to teach you, to strengthen you, to help you learn some valuable lessons. But not only does he put you in places, he also puts people in your lives for reasons, to glean from them, to learn from them, but maybe perhaps even for you to mentor them, depending on where you are, what season you're at in your life. If you're a seasoned Christian and you have the knowledge of the Word, then it wouldn't be unlikely at all for God to send somebody your way. And all too often, if we don't pay attention, we don't realize God was actually putting them in our lives to help them. And then the other flip side is, God puts people in our lives so they can help us. And we've all got so much to learn from one another. And we've all got so much to learn. But so many times, though, when we find our place in struggles or trials or hard times, we always believe it is to destroy us. God will never allow you to be in a place for the purpose of destroying you. He'll be put you in a, allow you to be in a place to learn from it, be strengthened by it, to help you, to provide for you, whatever is necessary. He has a plan if he's put you in that place. If the enemy's got you in that place, no. But if God allows you to be in that place, then it's for a plan and for a purpose because that's how much he loves us. And whatever you're going through right now, it may be a tough time, a hard time, but I promise you, if you'll endure it, it's not going to last forever. And when you come out of it, you're going to be stronger than you've ever been in your life. You're going to learn something from that experience. And one of the greatest things you're going to learn, you're going to learn just how great your God is. When you've been through some of the things I know people in this congregation have been through, even near-death experiences, and you come through that, I promise you, you've got a whole new perspective of how big God is. He's a great big God that loves us. So what I want to do tonight is encourage each and every one of you, study the Word of God. Put time into learning and coming to the knowledge of the Word of God. And then allow the experiences to happen. The experiences you go through will confirm what you learned in the Word of God. Or if you go through an experience, you'll learn in the Word of God why you went through what you went through. 
that God's a just God. He's an all-loving God. And God allows us at times to go through things like he did these guys. But everything that they learned was to make them better, not to destroy them. So with every head bowed and every eye closed right where you're at tonight, if you're in a place, a hard place, tough place, I ask you to look to the Word of God, get in the Word of God.